Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today.
got money and the money goes round For we don't know where it ends And the more I see, the less I know Which way we're all gonna go from here But we keep on rolling on Let us pray. God of new mornings, God of beautiful flowers, you are our God. And not only did you create this beautiful world and all that is in it, you came close in Jesus so that we could get to know you too. We give you thanks, O Lord, for getting us out of bed this morning, for bringing us here together for beautiful music. We give you thanks that you meet us wherever we are on our faith journey. Whether it's in celebration or in mourning or in suffering, you are with us and we praise you. Amen. Let us stand and sing. we mess up. We hurt one another. We say mean things that we can't take back. We cut off other people in traffic. We do all sorts of bad things. And each Sunday we come together and we acknowledge that we do these and that we are not perfect and that no one in this room is perfect. We all fall short of God's glory. So let us confess together the prayer of remission 
as printed in your program. Let us pray. Loving God, we choose not to love. We choose not to follow your commandments. Despite our best intentions, sin creeps into our decisions. Forgive us and help us to follow you. people. That means that we practice resurrection each and every day when the death in us comes to life. And friends, that is forgiveness. It's a chance to try again. The good news is that we are forgiven, called to forgive. We are loved, called to love. Let us live at peace with God and with one another. Alleluia. Amen. So before I get to the scripture, um, the church sent out an email this week letting Folks know that May 7th will be my last day serving here as your associate pastor. If you didn't get that email, it means that you should get on the email list, um, which you can do on our website. But I do just want to share how grateful I am for the outflowing of love and support that myself and my family have felt and just know that we love y'all and are so grateful. Our scripture today comes from the book of Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. Hear now God's word for us today in a parable from Jesus. One of the dinner guests on hearing this said to Jesus, blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And Jesus said to him, someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have just been married and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned and reported this to his master And the owner of the house became angry and said to his slave, go at once 
into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said, Sir, what you have ordered has been done, and there is still room. Then the master said to the slave, Go out into the roads and lanes to compel people to come in, so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. The word of God to us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You think the disciples of Jesus ever got tired of hearing his many stories? I mean, he's always telling them at somewhat strange and peculiar times. And his stories aren't really happy. They rarely have any kind of satisfying or simple conclusion. While some people might use a story to kind of break the ice or provide comic relief or break tension, Jesus isn't breaking the tension. In a way, he's really creating more. And these aren't fairy tales designed to inspire an imaginative child. They aren't poems for a hipster audience at a coffee shop. They aren't comedic relief to break silence at a dinner party. They're parables, and they're meant to be confusing. And we don't fully know the context to Jesus telling this, but from what Luke writes in Scripture before, Jesus is at the house of a leader of the Pharisees, an important house probably filled with important people. And Jesus already made a bit of a scene earlier, going off about how people are too obsessed with status and where they sit if they can be closest to the most important person. And he, he concluded his first teachable moment by directly challenging anyone in attendance to, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. So it's already a little tense. And one of the guests, maybe to ease a bit of the anxiety around the table or to brown nose to Jesus himself, says, blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And Jesus doesn't look at him and say, yeah, you're right, good point. No, he says, let me tell you a story. And he tells this parable about this great banquet. And parables are stories, but they are a unique type of story. I had a professor of New Testament who told us that the worst thing to do to a parable is to preach on it. So today's sermon is less of a sermon on this parable specifically and more on parables in general. But somewhere, Stan Saunders is probably disappointed in me. And the issue my professor had was that preachers often use sermons to simplify. Pastors try to explain in layman's terms a complicated theological conundrum uh, and to narrow this big book and this far bigger God down into a bite-sized piece that we can digest, that our culture can understand. But his argument is that parables do just the opposite. They take a story, a relatable event from our culture or the culture of Jesus' time, like a dinner party, and they complicate it. They challenge our preconceived notions about power and worth and turn our own value system on its head. Eugene Boring is a New Testament scholar. Yes, when I went to the bookstore in seminary, I had to buy a book called Intro to New Testament, and along the spine it said, boring. <laughs> in some ways, it felt accurate. 
But Eugene Boring writes that in the preaching of Jesus' parables, in the preaching of Jesus, his parables were not vivid decorations of a moralistic point, but they were disturbing stories that threatened the hearer's secure mythological world. It threatened the world of assumptions by which we habitually live, the unnoticed framework of our thinking within which we all interpret data. He concludes his article by comparing parables to art. And art is created to be experienced. And he agrees the same with parables. Seeing Jesus as an artist of words, parables are not created to be studied and interpreted so much as they are to be experienced. And we all experience them, we all experience them differently. I and mean, I want you to picture in your head with me this table, the people around it the ones who are supposed to be there and the ones who kind of snuck onto the scene somehow. I like to imagine what each person heard when Jesus spoke. I mean, there's the leader of the Pharisees who's sitting right next to Jesus. It's his house after all. I mean, he heard the story and thought, what terrible excuses. He leads the Pharisees and he's used to his workers, his employees giving excuses. Sorry, I can't come and stand at the temple and teach people the Torah today, his employee tells him. I've got another dentist appointment. Excuses are too familiar for this guy, and it always means more work for him. Excuses are like butts, he tells his son. Everyone has one, and they all stink. But there's a man sitting across from Jesus, and he's a farmer. His ears perk up a little bit when Jesus mentions land and oxen because he knows the kind of effort and intention it takes to own land and all the work that goes into caring for live animals. So he's got some sympathy for this guy. He understands exactly why the guy couldn't make the dinner. And then there's a woman on Jesus' left and she hears that bit about the guy who said, sorry, I can't make it. I just got married. She's sitting there thinking of all the nights where she and her husband were invited to a dinner. But last minute, the babysitter canceled. And it was always her who was stuck at home with the kids eating frozen pizza and Easy Mac while the husband went to party. So with that not-so-occasional memory in her head, she thinks, good for that guy for setting some boundaries and prioritizing time with family. And then there's a seven-year-old girl who had stealthily snuck underneath the table, carefully avoiding the feet of the adults, and she heard something unique. And this little girl spends her days with Trina and downtown kids. She sat through the Lenten sermon series on forgiveness, and she's wondering why in this story, why the host isn't practicing forgiveness. Seems like he's got a bit of a short fuse. Didn't God tell us to love and forgive others? Shouldn't he have compassion on those with excuses? And then there's the enslaved person. He stands in the corner at the beck and call of those seated, and he empathizes with the slave in the story. I've been there, he thinks, putting all my goals aside and being forced to run back and forth all over town just so my master doesn't look like a fool. Lord of liberation, get me out of this life of suffering, he prays to himself. 
And lastly, beyond the room, I imagine this poor beggar who's listening in through the window, eavesdropping a bit. Thinking, oh, the poor were the last to be invited? That makes sense. At least Jesus mentioned them. From his spot on the street, he's still hopeful that this guy, Jesus, that this guy can actually make the world a better place for people like him. All these different perspectives, all this wisdom from one story, from one parable, from one God. I mean, who knows what precisely Jesus was getting at here? Jesus does, but to me, it's crucial to the character of God that rather than speaking a list of demands, that Jesus tells a story. Because Jesus left the dinner table. The next day, that group probably gathered back together and maybe had a little debrief. And after realizing that they each came up with completely different conclusions, they might have had a bit of an argument argued over what Jesus meant, argued over just who was he talking about? Who was he challenging? Was the dinner host supposed to be God? Or are we the dinner host? And is God the people who were last to be invited? What does this story mean? It could have led to an argument. But I think Jesus was hoping for a healthy argument. One where we listen to each other's perspectives, where we learn from one another. I mean, rabbis of the Jewish faith have an entire discipline, midrash, where they come together to argue, to discuss what they think the Torah is saying. Because although the Torah is the same, each rabbi hears something different. Because each rabbi is different. Rick Rubin is different. He also might be one of the most successful music producers ever. He's produced bands like Run, DMC, Jay-Z, Tom Petty, Slayer, the Beastie Boys, the Avid Brothers, and even Johnny Cash. I heard an interview where he was talking about his role as a producer of just listening to music and how much of his job is just deciding what he likes when he listens versus what he doesn't. And during the interview, he voiced frustration when the interviewer wanted him to kind of compare music. What's better, he was asked, music A or music B? And he said something along the lines of, well, I might like A, but you might like B. Doesn't mean it's better. Just means that when I hear A, I like it. And when you hear B, you like it. And he continued saying, shouldn't I just be happy that you're hearing something at all? Shouldn't I be happy that you love something that makes you come alive? Can I not relate to the joy you feel when you hear A that I feel when I hear B? Can I not relate to the joy that you feel? And I think he's getting at something deeply theological here, that when we empathize with the feeling itself, rather than what is causing the feeling, then radical connection can happen. When those around the table start to hear Jesus' words, when they are moved by hearing them, and then they are moved when they see that others are moved by them, that, to me, is a glimpse of the kingdom. It's when mutual transformation happens. 
It's when we truly start to see one another as people, when we learn from the way others' experiences are similar and different to our own. And stories, Jesus' parables, they help us to do that. As a pastor, I get asked a ton of questions. And one I think is most important is the most baseline ask. Why do you believe in God? What is it that's so captivating, so compelling about Jesus of Nazareth that you choose to be a Christian? And I thought about it for a while, trying to point to that one story, that one miracle, that one verse or saying that exemplifies all who Jesus is. And I've realized that I'm less concerned with defining precisely who Jesus was and more interested in standing in awe that Jesus was, that Jesus is. To me, it's not so much about what Jesus said, it's that Jesus decided to sit around a table and speak to us, that he speaks to us, that Jesus, the God of the universe, the Lord of all creation, chose to sit at some random dining room table and tell a bunch of fools like us a story opening up a world of confusion, of disagreement, of holy chaos that will come from that. It's almost as if Jesus is less interested in what we hear in a story and more interested in us hearing it at all. More interested in us hearing him and in us hearing from one another. So next time someone tells a story, May we listen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. I woke up this morning to a garbage truck. Looks like this old horseshoe's done run out of luck. If I came home, would you let me in? Buy me some pork chops, forgive my sin. Surround me with your boundless love. Confound me with your boundless I was drowning in a sea, lost as I could be, when you found me in your boundless love. Sometimes my old heart is like a washing machine, it bounces around till my soul comes clean. When I'm clean and hung out to dry, I'm gonna make you laugh till you cry. Surround me with your boundless love. Confound me with your boundless love. I was drowning in a sea, lost. 
glad to be when you found me in your boundless love. By chance, I find myself at risk, falling off this jagged cliff. I look below and I look above. I'm surrounded by your boundless love. Surround You dumbfound me with your boundless love. You surround me with your boundless love. We are reminded of this table, this table that Christ welcomes us to. It's a table that's not exclusive. There's no um, reservations required not a single church or denomination or pastors. We don't own this table. It's God's table, and we are all welcome, and there's always another seat for anyone. So welcome. Please join me in the great prayer of thanksgiving. The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Let us pray. Loving God, it is right to give our thanks and praise to you on this day. We know, God, that you woke us up. You spurred something in our hearts to end up at church this morning, God, and you speak in us and through us. We give you thanks for all the the blessings you have given to us, to this church, to this community, and God, we ask that you help us to use them to bless the world, to bless those who have not been seen, those who have not been heard, those who live, God, such harder lives than some of us. God, we give you thanks for your son, Jesus the Christ, the one who chose to walk with us, to talk with us, to teach us, and to ultimately bear the pain and the burdens of all of our sins for us, God, so that we all might be welcomed to live again. God, we praise you joining our voices with the choirs of angels and with all the faithful of every time and place who forever sing to the glory of your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest, blessed as he who comes.
together the prayer that your son, Jesus the Christ, taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, in the night when Jesus would be betrayed, betrayed by one of his friends, he gathered his friends together, including the one that would betray him. And after dinner, after giving thanks, he took bread, just ordinary bread, and he broke it. And he said these strange words, saying, friends, this, this bread is my body, and it's broken for you, for all of you. Whenever you eat of this, remember me. In the same way, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks to God and Father for it in heaven and then he poured it out. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Take, drink, remember me. Scripture tells us that as often as we eat this bread and we drink from the cup, we proclaim Christ's saving grace until he comes again. Thanks be to God. So friends, come. The table is ready. You are all welcome here. Thanks be to God. Amen. Jesus, thank you for bringing us around your table. Thank you for the friendships we form when we meet here. Thank you for the love you offer us in simple gifts of bread and wine and juice. Thank you for the gift of this community, people of every age and walk of life united in you. Bless us, we pray, so that we may be a blessing to this world. We pray for our neighborhoods, for our city, for our state for our nation, for our world. Give us eyes to see you, minds to know you, and the feet to follow you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let us stand and sing together.
Friends, we all have a story. Jesus had one. He told a lot of stories. May we listen to his. May we listen to one another. And throughout our listening, may we learn to love God and to love our neighbors. And as you go from this place, may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds until we meet again. Friends, go in peace. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.